on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We give you the latest updates on OU's coaching staff and roster, including some notes about guys that stood out in testing last week in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss Derek Mason possibly being OSU's next defensive coordinator and talk about the Big 12 possibly having 14 teams. And we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, January 24th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in January from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Rockin' and Reelin' Giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, you can email the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com. And there's the, the OU stuff just keeps coming. Ted, it just it, it, it's nonstop, and, but we got to address... You you kept the beard. I'm so proud of you. I told you, you said one more episode, and I'm a man of my word. Final How, episode with the beard. So are, are you over it, right? And for everyone that watches this on YouTube, what a treat. This is, <laughs> I feel like I've known you for a long time now, ever since, you know, when I was playing, you were doing the sideline stuff. You and I had a good relationship. I have never seen you with this much facial hair, and I love it. Yeah, I've it's been a long time. Uh I've I've dabbled a couple of times here and there, but it never lasts very long. So yeah, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm starting to like scratch it and claw at it nonstop all day. So we'll probably be saying goodbye. And I I also like there's a point where it looks it looks good, it looks okay, and then there's a very fine line of where it's gone too far. And I think I've, I've crossed that threshold. We'll let the people decide YouTube <laughs> comments. Let them know. Let them yeah. know. Let me know. Okay. Oh, you stuff. Let's start with the staff. Like we usually do. 
Okay, according to Football Scoop, Oklahoma is set to hire Eastern Michigan special teams coordinator Jay Nunez. He will reportedly assist with special teams from an off-field position. And love this. First of all, he's an Oklahoma guy from Alva. Let's go. I love but it. I, I feel like special teams has been your biggest annoyance over the last several years. So, man, you, you've got to be excited seeing this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And I am excited that there's going to be some resources uh, dedicated to it because, um, to be honest, if you go back and look at all of our games, I know I've said it a million times, but almost every single game we lose has a special teams gaffe, bad, bad punt, bad return, like something uh, bad in there that is a major impact on the football game. And, you know, some, sometimes we're able to overcome those, but a lot of times we're not. So I think with uh, not a whole lot of emphasis and not a whole lot of more time dedicated to it, but I think there's a really good chance that Oklahoma can become elite at special teams and turn it into a, a major strength of theirs instead of what has either been a wash or a weakness. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, Ryan Doherty was a guy that played a significant role when it came to all the phases of special teams. He's now at USC. So bringing in Nunez, this feels like that uh, fills that void. And also, let's not forget Brandon Hall, who's going to be coaching the safeties, who you know has had a relationship with Venables for forever. He's also been a special teams coordinator. So you, you've got all of these coaches have had a role in special teams one way or another. Oh my gosh, we're watching the Chiefs. Speed option with the belldozer. Okay, sorry. Like, he was yeah, running he, like under he center. He got under center. I'm sorry. We're recording this during the fourth quarter of the Chiefs Bills game, which is a horrible idea. I don't know why we're doing it. But so, yeah. Was it were they treating it like he was going to do the snap up the middle? Yep. And he got under center and ran speed option and it did not work. <laughs> but it wasn't he, he pitched it. it he didn't really press. I, I don't know who we, we're distracted. <laughs> we're, we're all over the place, but you look at, you look at what a lot of these coaches have done special teams wise, you know, position coaches are always contributing to, to the special team side of things. But now you've got guys that have been special teams coordinators, you know, that have had that full responsibility on your shoulders on their shoulders. And I feel like having a couple of those guys on a staff, like that's really valuable, man. There's no doubt about it. Um, but it all has to start at the top. Uh, you know, the head coach has to not just as a talking point, but it, it needs to be ingrained in the culture and in what they do, that special teams matter. And that's the way you win football games. And it, it's, it's been a big complaint of mine, but I think I heard this the other day on Toby's show. There was not one return for a touchdown under the Lincoln Riley era at all on special teams. That's insane. Like that's to have the by far the best roster in a conference for that entire span to have zero kick returns for touchdowns. It's just it's inexcusable. We've got to we've got to return to having that be a threat. Yeah, and not only kick returns, but punt returns, right? Like, that is 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of one, and there's probably a good reason I can't think of one because it didn't happen. We had we had like Stogner had a a blocked punt for a touchdown. Like we've had some situations like that, but not a kickoff or a punt return. Yeah, that is that's not the way it's supposed to be when you've got better players than all the teams you're playing against. I agree. That that is you you talk about weaponizing special teams all the time and yeah they they need to get back to doing that okay another staff edition i i promise i won't i won't go uh straight squirrel like that or i don't <laughs> promise that it could happen again i was about I, to say don't don't <laughs> don't say something you can't guarantee that's true ou reportedly has hired former nebraska and vanderbilt head strength coach james dobson as an, an assistant strength coach on Jerry Schmidt's staff. And anytime you can get a guy that was a head strength coach at Nebraska, that is, that's a good get, man. And I talked to some guys that played at Nebraska when he was there. And I have, I've gathered a couple of the best quotes from a, a few of the guys I've talked about. So this one right off the bat, asked him about, about this, uh, about Dobson. He said, you guys just got an absolute stallion. He's the man. So that, that was encouraging. He's a stallion. I like that. Uh, Another guy said, I would get all my NFL offseason programs from him. He is the ultimate culture setter. That's good. That's in my opinion, that's what your strength and conditioning program is for. And then my last favorite quote I got was if you work hard and are not a slap, he's the coach you go sit in his office office and bullshit with as an older guy. Nice. Yeah. Um, that whenever you can build a relationship to where you can, you can start to engage with some of the coaches a little bit. That's whenever it starts to be really fun, you know, playing football and stuff. And it takes a while to get there in the right environment. It should be very hard to get to that point, right? Very few guys get to the spot where they're, they're comfortable like that, but no, that's good. And I'll say this, man, the, the one thing about Nebraska, that's always been the case. Those dudes are strong, like incredibly strong. And I'd say that that's been a weakness for us. We've had some good speed uh, spread throughout our football team, but in my opinion, we are not anywhere close to being strong enough. So I'm sure he's going to bring some some of that down here with him. Yeah, and it sounds like he is he's a guy that's going to be a nice balance to Schmitty, right? And I'm not I'm not a good saying cop, that, bad cop going on. I, I don't know because a couple of the guys I talked to were like, dude, Dobson will absolutely get after you if you're not doing things the right way, which is exactly what you want a strength coach to be. But yeah, having having Jerry Schmidt back as your head strength coach and then adding a guy that has this type of experience, I mean, it, it feels like the strength and conditioning component of the things, it, it's going to take a big step quickly, right? Or at least, yeah. I, I mean, I... It's not like we're doing the workouts or anything, but when you bring back a guy like Schmidt, who's got the reputation he's got, and then you add a guy like Dobson, who's got his credentials, man, it's hard to think that this team isn't going to look a lot stronger than we've seen these last couple seasons. There's no doubt. And, you know, without even having to see what the workouts are, 
I've already got a pretty good eye of what they are and kind of the, the layout of how the thing goes. You, the demeanor is just so much different already, right? And that is, that's as big a part of it as anything. It's whenever you know you're stepping onto the, the grounds at the facility that it's about to get real. And the, the grab-assing, the, the laughing, and, and, you know, however all that goes, that it's gone for that time. You know you're about to get to work. And just that demeanor, that, that work attitude is, is something that's going to be a change, and I think for the better. I'm with you. I mean, you can, you can just see it in some of those social media clips of Schmitty where it's like, he's saying the same stuff he said when we were working out with him. Like the dude has not changed. So, you know, it's just miserable. It's just going to be miserable. Now the testing week is out of the way. They, these kids are, whoo, <laughs> it's going to be, can't wait to hear some stories. Cannot wait. Okay. Last thing from a staff perspective, it was a big recruiting weekend, right? In Norman. Uh, official visitors, uh, they got a throne. There's a throne involved. I saw that now. Yeah, which what what do we think of the throne? I mean, it's I it's, it's a little douchey, but it's I mean, it plays Palace on the Prairie. You got a throne. It plays it makes sense. Yeah, I here's the thing: is it's a photo shoot opportunity, and it's it's to build a cool graphic and all. I I get it. I understand where it is. Um. I think it's all incredibly stupid, but I get that the kids like it. And that's kind of part of a, of an official's official visits, having your, your photo shoot and all of your, all of your pics dressed up and sitting in the chair with the crown. I, I get it. I think it's all dumb, but I get it. So I don't know how how else, how else I can put it. I get it. I hate it, but I get it. No, I, <laughs> It, it is what it is. I'm just trying to go back and think of like what I was going like through recruitment. And if, if a coach would have been like, Hey man, you want to get in full pads and take some pictures? I'd have been like, what? No, that sounds awful. I know. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. It's, it's something that you have to do right, whenever you go on a visit everywhere. And I guess, so you can post all those things to social media you know, which is, it's fine. And they're going to continue to do stuff like that and try and try and be cool and, and forward thinking and out front with different ways that they can get those guys to, to enjoy their trip. And right now, if that's what guys want to do, it's what they want to do. Yeah. The, the one thing that I do think is a big positive is, man, it, it does get the fan base engaged, right? Those kids putting those pictures out and the fans get to comment on all that stuff and hopefully say, smart, normal things to these young men. It, it is, it's a really good way of engaging the fan base and it gets a lot of people excited. So while it may not make a ton of sense to me and you, I, I think it, I think we completely understand why you do it now with, with how important social media is for all these recruits. But yeah, it is, it's a little silly, but I totally get it. And I totally get it. And there are a lot of big time, highly ranked defensive recruits in Norman this weekend. And by God, put them in the throne if they want to be in the throne, Ted. That's where I'm at with it. You snap a picture in anything that they want, okay? That's that's how it's going to go down. No, it's, I think it, it, in the at the end of the day, it's all fun. And is, if that's what the kids want to do, that's what they want to do. And, you know, if if it's like 
putting a, a fun little set out there with props and stuff to take pictures. I got no problem with that. Those are requests that that I can I can deal with. Some other stuff, probably not. You never know. You you never know. Wait, when you finally join the staff here in the next the next couple of days, <laughs> yeah, we'll right. we'll see we'll see what uh what type of tone you got then. But but my graphic whenever I announce that I'm joining the staff will be in the throne. Okay, I'll I'll tell you that. You promise, please. <laughs> if you're if you're leaving the podcast, I want it to be via picture in the throne. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I promise that I will do that if it happens that way, but I, it won't. I think the I think the most Teddy Layman way of doing things would you just like write something on a white piece of paper and take a picture of it and tweet it. <laughs> and Here's my make, graphic. Make it a point to be just barely legible, where you know you've got to call in an expert to make sure you get the r- words right. I like that. The the highlight of the recruiting weekend, of course, was Brent Vittable speaking at halftime of the basketball game. And we'll talk about the basketball game a little later. But as far as the halftime speech, are we going to talk about the mic presence your guys got? It's pretty good. He's like he's like a WWE wrestler doing a promo, man. He like he's putting it out, asking for noise. He paused for for applause, like he was. If he would have if if he would have gone hand behind ear, then we we would have known he's he's going back to his Hollywood Hulk days. But there's no doubt the the fan base they were feeling it, and that was the whole point. Remember, all the recruits are at that basketball game, and it, it the from everything I could tell, Lloyd Noble Center, great crowd for that game. Game didn't go particularly well, but really good crowd, and BV was riling them up. We just need to get him his own his own music to where like whenever all of a sudden that guitar riff hits or whatever it is, everyone knows that's BV's music place goes crazy. And he comes running out of the tunnel or something. That's all he needs. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some of the things with the roster, but first the only place to stop when you're road tripping is loves travel stops. Loves has over 560 locations in 41 States offering 24 hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab all of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Opolis Clothing has created a limited release Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. And yes, the shirts and hoodie are buttery soft. You see Gabe right there. Uh, he's got the Texas Sucks shirt. It's got Hot you on seller. it, Teddy. You're, you're yep. on the shirt. 
okay. throwing the horns down. It's it's not part of the ad read, but are we going to talk about some people thinking you're a kicker when this shirt came out? Are we going to talk about it? Yeah, I get it. I, I do get it. The hand in the air, it does look like the plant leg is down, and I was a kicker in high school, so I can understand it. But it was a bit of a slap in the face. You know, I was like, I knew you wouldn't like that. It was jarring. It was jarring. But go to opolisclothing.com. That's O P O L I S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T E D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and Oklahoma City Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com and use promo code TED, T E D, for 10% off. Okay. Full transparency. We, we like to tell our listeners the full truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. We, we, had to, we had to pause recording. We had to watch the end of the Chiefs-Bills game. Oh, my God. I, we'll get to it in winners and losers, man, but as a defensive guy, you had to just be sitting there going, what, what's happening here? I, I, the, the last two defensive series by the Buffalo Bills were just something to behold with, that's the best defense in the NFL. The best. Yeah. And that is the worst two series that I believe I've, I've witnessed in a long, long time. Total, just God awful defense. Whoo. That was bad. Okay, we'll we'll get we'll get to that in, in winners and losers. Let's finish the OU stuff. I know this podcast has started a little bit all over the place. I apologize for nothing, people. That game was incredible. But okay, so as far as the roster goes, they they tested last week. So need to talk about some of the things that you and I heard regarding the testing and and I would say the number one thing that came out of that was the fact that Jaron Canick being compared to you is pretty spot on man pretty spot on that dude is an incredible athlete he is just otherworldly explosive I can't wait I can't wait to see what happens you know He's he's young. He's really young. And gosh, sky's the limit. When you come in with a base uh, of athleticism as, as strong as what he's got, there's no telling where he's going to end up. Yeah, so ran a 4-4, and I guess he also benched 275 like 10 times as a, as a guy that should still be in high school. Impressive. Impressive. Uh, those numbers are rarely going to be replicated. I mean, you're going to have some really strong guys, but to be able to come in early and probably be almost the fastest, probably right there is the fastest linebacker and probably right there close to as the strongest linebacker, it says it says two things at the same time. It says, wow, this kid has an unbelievable start. And the other thing it says is, we got to get faster. We got to get stronger. 
uh, at some of these position groups, but you cannot take anything away from that. That's those are those are fantastic numbers, and this is what we'd heard. Yep, yep. So uh, seems like Canix off to a good start. One of the other guys that really impressed Javante Barnes was told that he looks very explosive, especially at his size. Had nearly a forty-inch vert. So we've. And Kennedy Brooks was a really, really good college football player, right? And I can't wait to see how his pro career goes. But he he never looked that fast. Like, he never looked that explosive. Like, he was so productive, so it sounds disrespectful to say that about him. But it's just, like, you want backs that when you see him work out, you're just like, oh, my gosh. Look, yep. at, look at how explosive this kid. And it sounds like Barnes is going to be going to be that type of guy. Yeah. And and that's what we need, man. Honestly, that's what we need. You know, it's one of the things that you and I have both been kind of like we, we've been talking about recently is like where are the freaks, right? Where whenever we're we're watching pro day and they're doing the combine, NFL combine stuff, like where's the jaw-dropping numbers? Where you know should be looking at Oklahoma saying these are the best of the best athletically going to the next level. And I feel like this crop of guys showing up has a chance to maybe be there in a couple of years. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Do you, do you hear anything else about guys that kind of stood out throughout the week? Not, not really individually, but it is kind of funny whenever you think of things. I, and in, in one hand, you've got a team that, you know, we feel like needs to be bigger, faster, stronger. Like there's a bunch of headway that could be made in the strength and conditioning room. Like we can get way more talented. But on the other hand, like I hear from some of the coaches, like the new coaches, and they're like, oh, my God, this roster is awesome. Wait until you see what we're able to do with these guys. These guys are amazing. I haven't been able to, to, to play with guy or coach guys of this caliber yet so it's like there's there's both sides of it right now um which i makes you feel really good all the way around you know that i know that we can get bigger faster stronger more athletic uh more dominant but at the same time we've got coaches that are are looking at what we've got right now and saying this is going to be something special yeah uh, i will say this Heard heard some interesting things about the offensive line group. I I'd say they're not setting any records when it comes to their forties or their three cone, their short shuttle times. But the the new strength staff was very interested to see where they were at, right? And the way that the way that Jerry Schmidt goes about it is, if you're an offensive lineman, you put three hundred fifteen ta- uh, three hundred fifteen pounds on the bar. And you see how many times you can bench press it. And I never thought that that was the best representation of strength for an offensive lineman. I always thought power clean was more important. Hey, throw 315 on power clean. See how many times you can clean it. Like that, that is what I always, I always took more stock in. But Schmitty wants you to be able to bench 315 10 times. And I'll tell you, I never got there. Never got there. Got close, but never got there. But it's pretty simple. I, I would say the the general consensus out of the O line testing stuff is the offensive line needs to get stronger. 
they that was everyone I talked to that was like the number one thing. O line's got to get stronger, and I will say, bright spot Bray Walker. Hit 315 like 11 times. Bray Walker's passing the test because he wants you to hit a 10. But other than that, few guys hit five or six, including Anton Harrison, which I was surprised by. That That's that's good progress for him. But, yeah, I think this is something we all knew already, that this offensive line, they, they've got to get more athletic. They've got to get more explosive. They've got to get stronger. And luckily... They brought the man in for the job to get him there. But yeah, I would say, and then I, I was told the disappointment in some of the strength numbers maybe uh maybe carried over to to the hurdles, to a jumping over hurdles section session later in the week, Ted. And you know, you know how that could get uh get real bad. That thing could get derailed quickly when you got the big boys jumping over the hurdles. Oh my god. The that reminds me of, did you guys ever do like the, um, uh, the metal hurdles? Like yeah. The low oh, hurdles? yeah. That was something because like we, we do the single leg over the hurdles and if you clip a foot, you naturally, your teeth are about directly in line with where the next hurdle is. That was some dangerous, dangerous work going on. And I imagine they're going to be getting into some of that stuff. But um, I I kind of feel bad, but not for the offensive line, knowing what it's going to be like if, you know, some of these – I'm not going to say they were disappointed, but like, Schmitty has – already found the weak spots uh for that position group and they're gonna he's gonna grind on them it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult winner it uh i think you're right i think <laughs> it's going to be a an eye-opening as as one of the o-linemen told me um they haven't even started lifting and he's already sore <laughs> so <laughs> we'll uh we'll see how it goes for the big guys <laughs> Which is it's so good. So that should be, yeah, it's going to be a fun winner for that offensive line group. Uh, okay, other stuff roster-wise. Oh, Caleb Williams, he's not coming back to Oklahoma. Uh, picture going around on social media of all of his stuff, including his car, which, by the way, sick car, hey, getting moved out of Norman. So if you were one of those people that were still holding on to hope that Caleb Williams was going to return and play for OU again. We told you that wasn't going to happen. But if you were still holding on to that, I think I, I would suggest letting it go now that you've seen him move all his belongings out of Norman. Yeah. Uh, it's done. I don't know where he's going to end up. But I, I get the impression that this whole thing has not played out like the Williams family expected. And I think there was, I think there was a big, I think they felt like they were going to end up at Oklahoma, but I, I think they, I, I don't know. I, all I, all I'm saying is I'm glad this thing is over for Oklahoma anyways, I guess everyone else is going to continue to be drug along uh, this whole 
offseason. Who knows whenever he makes a decision. But I'm glad it's over. And Sooner fans, the team, the coaching staff can officially move on and not be held hostage the entire football program by one player. Yeah, you've you've made it pretty clear that you haven't been a huge fan of how this whole thing has gone down. And we'll always have the Texas game. We'll always have the Texas game with Caleb Williams. I always, always appreciate that young man for that, but uh, wish him the best of luck wherever he's headed. Yeah, Probably should have splurged for the covered trailer for the car, though. That's a nice ride. That's expensive. Don't want rocks yeah. kicking up and hitting the windshield. You know what I'm saying? You don't want rocks. You don't want weather. Um, yeah, but it is a nice ride. QB1 and... on the license plate. I like yeah. that. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, yeah. I'd say I'd say get that thing out of town. Don't leave it sitting there too long, okay? Oh, we, no. we got some no. crazy fans. That's true. We do, <laughs> but hopefully they wouldn't vandalize his property. That's that's not right. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. Don't listen to Teddy people. Don't, don't you, you can dare. buy shoe polish, I think, at Walmart. So yeah. stop by. Okay. okay. Last thing, as far as the the Jackson Dart update, some people are saying his girlfriend has put some stuff out indicating he's going to Ole Miss. We knew Ole Miss was going to be was going to be a serious player in in the battle for his services, but nothing official yet, as far as I know. How pissed would he be if through all of this? They haven't let anything out. They've played it really close. And then his girlfriend goes and dumps something on like an Instagram page or something to take all the, all the glory away. Uh, he'll be fine. He'll he get over do? it. <laughs> he'll probably find a new girlfriend too. <laughs> Not yeah, worried about probably him. so. <laughs> Start starting quarterback at an SEC school. I think he'll, uh, I think he'll be just fine. I think he'll be just fine. One last thing. Uh, we need to clear up some drama. Remember the Nick Benito tweet. Mm -hmm. right? That called out guys for going to USC after they were bitching about the coaches when they were at OU. Well, it is, it's become pretty clear that he was talking about Latrell McCutcheon and not Mario Williams. The reason I know that is because Mario Williams wanted everyone to know that Nick Benito was not talking about him. And then Latrell McCutcheon basically embraced. He was like, yeah, it's me. I don't care what Nick says. So it, and this is something we talked about Latrell McCutcheon has signed at USC. He's there. That's like the last guy I expected to I end know. up at USC. Like he had, it seemed like there was issues damn near all season long between him and the coaching staff. And I mean, he, it was weird. Like he, he would play and then he'd just kind of disappear. I don't know, man. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I said it whenever he initially went in the transfer portal. I was like, well, I don't think we have to worry about this one going to USC. Uh, he was pretty pretty vocal about uh, some of the stuff that went on throughout the, the season. But shocker, off he goes. I wish him the best of luck out there at USC. Yeah. All right, let's get to call your shot. Ask you guys the most important thing that happened for OU football this weekend. I love this first response. It comes from Tiffany Jones on Twitter, who says nothing wrong with guys, coaches, former coaches, and fans coming out to support Joshua. Ted, did you, did you see that video of the kid at Alcott Middle School? In oh, Norman yeah, I did. Getting yeah. bullied? That uh, First of all, just ridiculous. 
just absolutely ridiculous. Should never happen. And I'm pissed off that people didn't step in sooner. It sounds like that kid has been picking on this kid for a long time. But I did think it was it was really cool to see all the people on social media put something out of kind of supporting Joshua. I think what a sixth grader, autistic sixth grader there at Alcott Middle School. So a bunch of attention has been brought to this. And that young man's getting a ton of support. But man, what the hell? What is wrong with people, man? I don't know. I I, I don't I don't know what, what causes uh kids to lash out like that. And I, since when do people walk, like, when does that happen in a classroom like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can understand, it's not that I'm, I'm not condoning anything, but you understand that, like, between classes, during, like, lunch, whenever there's less supervision, whenever stuff like that goes on, like, in the middle of a classroom, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Be better. Everyone involved, parents, students, everyone be better. Yeah. So that that was that was I thought that was a great response to the call your shot because that that was cool to see a lot of people in the OU community uh you know show support for that young man. This this other response comes from John Shoup, and he says, one more shot at Gentry Williams. Clearly five star. Oklahoma kid, but how about the little loophole where he gets to take a couple of officials because of the new staff? I thought that was that's obviously Venables and the new staff are going to want him in again, but didn't know you could do that. Didn't know that was in the rules. I didn't either. Um, Yeah, I I think they feel good about it, but I guess you never know until it's all said and done. And uh, I know they've got what one more week of recruiting right now, and it's they're hard on it. They're canvassing the the country right now, seeing as many guys as they can just because they, you know, getting a late start on everything. So this is a really important time for the coaching staff uh, before it goes dead, I guess, until after spring ball is over. So next week is really important, not just for wrapping up this, this year's class, but seeing as many guys as they can. So, yeah, I, I think, and I think he's legit. I, I like him a lot. So they're able to land that one. That's, that's big. And, I'm telling you, the push, the local push is going to be big and it's going to be real for Venables and, and the staff. Yeah, it's it's already clear with them, you know, going to the coaching convention, all those things that they are putting, they're putting a bigger emphasis on locking down the state of Oklahoma. And you and I are two guys that have been bitching about that for years. Some of the most talented guys, whether it's the Tulsa area, the Oklahoma City area, the guys on the west side of the state, going other places. It just can't happen. Got to lock it down, baby. And it seems like Brent Venables and this staff, they are, they are making that a point of emphasis, which I, appre- which I appreciate because I know this sounds bad, but playing at OU, I've always believed it just matters more to the Oklahoma kids. It just does. Yeah. It, it just is. It's just different. Okay? It's just a little different. And I am... I'm really, really happy. I, I've seen all that stuff, seen all those coaches uh, from high schools here within the state tweeting out pictures of guys uh, that, you know, that they've come through and stopped by. Like, that means a lot, man. And I'm, I'm really, it, it makes me really happy to see that as an Oklahoma guy, them 
investing more in this state and because there's some good football players here, man. Nope. There is there, there is. And finding the guys and you, you gotta, it may be harder to find and you may have to have some vision. It may be, it may be less, you know, a lot of five-star guys are not fully developed, but they've hit their potential way earlier than some other ones. So some of the hard, hard duty out there is finding guys that may not be rated as high right now, but have the ability to develop into what you would consider a five-star talent. Um, it's just going to take them an extra year or two or three. So it's, it's, it's more difficult, but those guys are out there and you've got to have a certain mix of, you know, all out athletes, highly recruited guys and, program guys, guys from around here that are going to do absolutely anything and everything they can to get on the field for OU. Yep. All right. Birthday shout outs time. Woo. And this, the first one you're going to like happy birthday to the Bowden kids, Keegan Brooks and Olivia. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Olivia. She had her party went off without a hitch. It was nice. They are Teddy's neighbors. So, <laughs> Happy birthday, Bonfire, kids. Bonfire birthday party, Gabe. Can't nice. be nice. Nice. Very Goldsby of it you was. guys. It like was. that. I like that. All right. Happy 12th birthday. A late, a late submission, though, but he got it in. Happy 12th birthday to Levi Lindsay. Happy birthday, Levi. Happy 17th birthday to Evelyn Gustin. Happy birthday, Evelyn. Happy 22nd birthday to Leanne Porch. Happy birthday, Leanne. Happy 23rd birthday to Harry Johnson and Ben Neighbors. When when I read Harry Johnson for the first time, I was like, I'm being pranked here. <laughs> and then I was like, ah, Ben Neighbors seems a like a legit name. So Harry Johnson and Ben Neighbors. Happy 23rd, boys. Happy birthday, Harry and Ben. Happy 30th birthday to Allison DeLess. Happy birthday, Allison. Happy 38th birthday to Ashley Condit. Happy birthday, Ashley. Happy 39th birthday to Jamie Liddell. Happy birthday, Jamie. Happy 40th birthday to, this is all I got, Fat Tony. Happy wow. 40th to Fat Tony. Happy 40th, Fat Tony. Happy 40th to Chris Stanley. Happy 40th, Chris. And Chris, let us know how that gender reveal goes. Birthday and finding out. The, nice. uh, the gender of his first child. How about that? Congrats. Happy 46th birthday to Jason Bolding. Happy birthday, Jason. Happy 61st birthday to Mary Kirby. Happy birthday, Mary. Happy 65th birthday to Nick Rutherford. Happy birthday, Nick. Happy 70th birthday to Ralph Best. Happy birthday, Ralph. Do you think they're ever going to like stop <laughs> sending so, so many? Uh, I don't think so. Happy 77. We've created a monster. I regret everything. <laughs> I regret this so much, but people love it. Happy 77th birthday to Joe Holt. All right, Happy Joe. Happy birthday, Joe. Happy birthday to Bridget McKinley. Happy birthday, Bridget. Happy birthday to Patrick Clark. Happy birthday, Patrick Clark. If that's Keeps, the Patrick Clark I know, awesome guy. Keep storming fields, Patrick Clark. <laughs> Been heard, uh, heard that's a hobby of yours. Congrats to Cayman Watkins and Andrea Gerstenkorn. Gerstenkorn, what a name. Yeah, happy birthday, Cayman and Andrea. I love not that the, pretty Gabe to the test. 
it's it's not their birthday. They got engaged, but oh. hey, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and congrats to Katie Stortz Karam for qualifying for the Boston Marathon. Big time. Ooh, that is big. Congratulations, Katie. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Guys, winter is here, but the weather doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Elworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub. By the fire and at the tailgate, you can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. Okay, so an interesting story here locally. Derek Mason stepped down as the defense coordinator at Auburn, and there's a whole lot of buzz that he is going to be Mike Gundy's next defensive coordinator in Stillwater. Now, the people that I've asked, they, they've said that nothing is official. As one guy put it, the relationship hasn't been consummated yet. That, I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. But, so I guess the deal is not done quite yet, but let's assume it does end up working out, Ted. I, I feel like this whole thing may say more about Brian Harson's future at Auburn than anything, right? It, it doesn't sound like he's got a ton of support down there, but... For Mike Gundy, man, you you lose Jim Knowles, one of maybe the best defensive coordinator in college football, depending on who you ask, and you lose him to Ohio State, and you're able to lure a well-respected guy like Derek Mason, who is the coordinator at an SEC school, a guy that was an SEC head coach, and I know it was Bandy, but it still, he was an SEC head coach for seven seasons, like. This this feels like a pretty pretty significant get for Mike Gundy. I know I think it's a it's probably more of an indictment on Harson than anything, but this seems like a really solid hire if it ends up going down. Yeah. And it's tough on both sides. Harson it it does feel like he's not getting a lot of support there and boy if there's a school that's ready to pay a big buyout, we know it's Auburn. They love paying big buyouts. It's their favorite. Um, But Mason to Oklahoma State, I think, is great. But I also feel like it's a one-year stop. You know, 
he's I, I I almost feel like he's overqualified for that position to some degree. And and this is just this is something that you've got to deal with in, in big time college footballs. When you make the right hires, there's a chance that those guys are going to upgrade and go somewhere else. But that's the type of people that you got to bring in. So if Gundy's able to land that, I think that would be really nice after losing Knowles to Ohio State. He's going to have different personnel to work with than Knowles did. But uh, nonetheless, that's that's a legit hire to bring on, on to your staff. There's no doubt. And, and I'm with you. Like it, it certainly feels like a stepping stone for Derek Mason if he ends up taking the job but with everything they've lost defensively right I mean you look at losing Jim Knowles and remember I said he's considered by some as the best defense coordinator Brent Venables is a head coach now I can I can see some OU fans hearing me say that and be like whoa 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 Brent Venables is a head coach now people so everyone just relax but Derek Mason you're, you're right he's a guy that's got a ton of respect at in the coaching community, but I don't really care if I'm Oklahoma state. I really don't care if he views it as a stepping stone because you got a lot to, you got a lot of voids to fill on the defensive side. And it does sound like Joe Bob Clements is going to stick around. There were some reports that maybe he was going to Ohio state, but last time I heard he's, he's still working there in Stillwater. But man, you think about losing Jim Knowles, but also, they're losing so many guys off that defense, right? When you think, I, I believe, what, six starters, seven, if you consider Trey Sterling a starter, because remember, they're losing Malcolm Rodriguez, Colby Harvell Peel, Devin Harper, Israel Antwine, Christian Holmes. Uh, now, Jarek Bernard Converse hopped in the portal, but I was told that they're feel, feeling pretty good about him actually sticking around in Stillwater. So we'll see what happens with that, but you're losing a bunch of big time contributors off that defense and your defense coordinator. So it's not like Derek Mason's walking into a perfect situation, but man, if you're Mike Gundy, you can convince him to take the job. I feel like that's a hell of a win. No, it is. It's big. Um, and that's just kind of, that's what you've got to deal with. You know, Oklahoma is going to have to deal with that. You know, I think, uh, possibly with Jeff Levy, but you bring in the best talent you can. And if you lose those guys to head coaching jobs, that means they're doing what you asked them to do, right? That's just this, that's how this thing works. If you come in and you have a bunch of success, you, you get, you get offered good jobs. So that's, that's just part of it. So uh, you can't let that deter you. You can't bring in less qualified people because you're worried about losing uh, high quality people. That's not the way things operate. You got to continue to bring in the best talent that you can because, you know, people start to see that, Hey, this is a spot where you can go have success and turn that into a head coaching job. If you're a coordinator. So I think it, I think it would be a nice move by Gundy if he's able to pull it off. Yep. All right. Uh, this is something that we just, we didn't have time to talk about on the last podcast because we were running so long, but we, we definitely got to touch on it. There's a report from Dennis Dodd that the Big 12 is engaged in plans to split into two seven-team divisions beginning in 2023 amid realignment. So 
This obviously assumes that OU and Texas don't want to pay a massive exit fee and get out of the conference earlier than that. So it's an assumption that, that the Sooners and the Longhorns will stay through the entire Big 12 media rights deal that ends after the 2025 season. So if you're counting at home, that would be four more seasons in the Big 12 for the Sooners starting starting with the 2022 season. This also assumes that BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF would join before the 2023 season. So we'd get two years of a 14-team Big 12. The most important place to start probably is, is this going to happen? Like, is this, because I, I didn't, I never, if you would ask me six months ago, I never thought that OU in Texas would stick around for that long. But some things have changed since then. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. But number one, and maybe you can clear this up. I was under the impression that the buyout lapses after, because they have to give 18 months of uh, warning, right? And then once the 18 months is up, doesn't the buyout expire? Or is that not right? I am I am not a contract attorney. Uh, I also don't work at the NCA, um, but that would seem correct if like 18 months, but I don't think you can still leave early. I still think there's a penalty if you leave early. Like if you, if you give notice, that's like, okay, Hey, just let you know. Right. But I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know if that and, reduces your buy. It, someone listening to this will know the answer to this. Let us know, get in contact with us. Let us know how that works. And the other thing I remember uh, from this whole deal is as soon as a conference engages people in bringing in more teams, that the grant of rights deal that you have currently is dead. Like it's over. And since the big 12 went out and tried to bring people in, then like, I don't, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know where the buyout situation is going to be, but I don't. I don't expect Oklahoma to be sticking around for a fourteen-team uh, Big Twelve. But if it does happen, I, I guess I'd be fine with it. A little bit of uh, new blood for a year, I'd be okay with that. It would be kind of fun because w when you think about think about OU going to the SEC, and the same can be said about Texas because. There's a lot of mystery right now surrounding college football playoff expansion uh, with the season Texas just had, right? Steve Sarkeesian, I, I bet you he wouldn't mind some time to get the roster in order before they make the move to the Southeastern Conference. OU's gone through the coaching change with Brent Venables. I'm sure that BV would mind a few years to get the roster in order and to build it up the way that he wants to and to get that a culture, uh, that culture he wants to get established, completely established. It just, it does seem like compared to what we thought in June, where we're like, ah, maybe, maybe the OU's in the, in the SEC in 2022. It does feel like the brakes have been tapped a little bit. And everyone's just kind of 
assessing the situation because it, it feels like there's more realignment coming. And I think everyone is wondering what it's even going to look like. So I, I would love for you to get to the sec as quick, as quickly as possible. But as far as being competitive, when you get there, I don't think it would hurt for Brent Venables to have two, three, even four more years to build this thing up before they make the move. Now I have no idea what's going to happen, but I know that they are, they're pushing the sec, like the move to the sec hard on the recruiting trail. So who knows? I mean, it's, right. it's kind of out of all of our control. So I, I don't know. The only person that knows, I think is Joe C and you know, the interesting part of it is like, I don't know when any of this was ever going to see the light of day. Like they may have been planning on staying through to the 2025 all along, but you know, A&M got wind of it and figured they were going to go ahead and dump it on, on the uh, national media and blow the whole thing up. And they did. And here we sit. So like, I don't know what the original plan was. If the original plan was to wait things out, well, I'm guessing that is, probably where you're going to see this thing go. But if it was going to be a rip the bandaid off surprise move, off we go. We've negotiated this, this buyout situation and we're on to the sec, then it could happen pretty quickly. But, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think anyone would mind, you know, pushing this thing a year, but I think at some point, because the move to the SEC does two things. It makes your schedule more difficult. It makes winning a conference championship and making the playoff more difficult. But it makes recruiting better. Like You're going to get a big boost in recruiting whenever you make that move to the SEC. So like, I do think there is a part of where Vittables would say, let's get our house in order before we make that jump. But there's probably another part of him saying in order for us to get our house in order, we need the sec boost that we're going to get for recruiting. Yeah. Not only that, the revenue distribution, right. right, And just all that in that extra flow of cash for them to then spend. So yeah, no, there, there's definitely a give and take with, with that whole situation. But let's say, let's say the 14 team big 12 does happen for a year or two. How are you dividing it? What east and west, north and south? Is there is there an easy way to do it in your mind? I think it's probably north and south, right? Yeah, and, I don't. I don't need. I don't need my, my divisions in the Big Twelve changing. Like everyone, we we've lived through the Big Twelve North and the Big Twelve South. We're fine with it. We we don't need to overcomplicate this. Just just keep it simple. Yeah, I think I think it is pretty simple and. The way you've got it laid out here is probably the best way to do it. Um, Cincy, BYU, Iowa State, KU, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State in the north. And I like that. I think that would that gives you some new blood um, to probably take a, a new road trip. Um, you know, I don't know what the crossover games in the south would be. You'd have to guarantee the, the OU Texas game. But I, I like it. I think that would be cool. I'm all for... Like anytime you get a chance to play some new teams, I'm loving it. I think BYU should be required to play Baylor 
and TCU. We need we need some religious rivalries in this league. <laughs> yes, we do. That's good. That I would like be that. that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, I I think that if you go Baylor, Houston, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, UCF, and West Virginia in the South, that that makes a whole lot of sense. I guess the the only complaint some people would have would be it would just make a lot of sense for Cincinnati, UCF and West Virginia over there kind of in the eastern part of the country to all be in the same division, but it it, it can't have it perfect. I, I'll tell you this, no matter how it gets divided, if it does happen, somebody's going to bitch about it. Oh, there's no doubt. And I'm just I'm looking at this and I don't know what Cincinnati and BYU and Houston, I don't know what those teams are going to be like next year, but if we would have had this lineup this year, you would have had something because obviously Cincinnati uh, made the college football playoff. Uh, you know, Baylor had a sugar bowl win. Houston had a bowl win. Uh, UCF beat Florida. I, it's a, a pretty pretty stacked house right there whenever you look at the bowl games and how they all played out if this league would have been together this year it would have been a hell of a year for the big 14 (laughs) the big 14 that sounds so bad but it would have been some good football competitive no i'm uh, i'm with you i will say i can already hear the the decision makers the politicians in the state of texas bitching about all the texas schools being in the same division and therefore, two Texas schools not having the opportunity to play for a Big 12 championship. It's going to be exhausting listening to them complain. The real thing is with the divisions broken down the way they are, Texas will have to lose to everyone in the uh, in the state of Texas. They won't be able to dodge anyone in those divisions. That's yeah. the real bad part. And, and if anyone's out there like, why wouldn't OU and Texas be in the same division? It, it's real clean if they're in separate divisions because, remember, they're going to leave for the SEC. And this is a hypothetical exercise. It may not even happen, people. But if they're in separate divisions, it, it makes it real nice and clean for when they depart for it to just be six and six in the division. So that's why OU and Texas probably would not be grouped together. But I'm with you. you got to guarantee that they play no matter how many years, right? If it is two years, they got to play that game or else people will riot. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, if it does happen, I feel like the Big 12 would put OU and Texas into the same division knowing that they won't be able to play each other in the Big 12 championship. Like, you can at least eliminate one of them before they ever get there, right? Yeah, you know? just just tell one of the teams, hey, like, once they leave, you're going to the other division. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a nice middle finger to OU and Texas on their way out from Bob Bullsby, no doubt. That's, that's, and they're going to try to give one. It, you you have to uh, account for that for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about one of the best weekends of NFL football I could ever remember. Let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks Rubber Safety Surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor pool parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. 
Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Softrock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway uh, problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I wanted to pick them to win this football game, but I thought the experience from Tom Brady was going to be too much. Uh, I was wrong. Rams, they're hot right now. Their defense is playing really, really good. Uh, give it up. Matt Stafford went on the road across the country in a playoff game, the biggest game he's ever been in, and he beat the GOAT. And it looked like they were going to run away with it. Tom Brady made them made them uh, uh, start quaking in their boots over there, but ultimately uh, Matt Stafford makes a, a couple of really nice plays late to get the win. Impressive by the Rams, man. Yeah, except for the absolute meltdown, like late third quarter through the fourth. What that the fumble by Acres, and Stafford almost fumbled it. The the possession after that, but somehow Bad they kept snap. it together. Or I, I don't even know that the snap, I don't know if it was bad or not. Really, it, it it was catchable, but Stafford wasn't ready for it and couldn't jump on it. Like it was like bear like it was bad news bears for Four the fumbles, Rams. Right, that they was, lost. Yeah, and remember Akers, like if Akers doesn't fumble going into the end zone in the first half, that game is over over. Now, that being said, it was what, 27 to 3? It should have been over. That would yeah. have been an epic collapse by the Rams. I mean, epic, but and luckily wait. give them credit for pulling it together. Whenever it looked like it's like, Oh my God, we are going to absolutely, you know what all over ourselves and, uh, and give this thing up. But somehow, somehow make the play to win it late. Yeah. They, the, the Rams late third into the fourth, they went fumble, punt, fumble, missed field goal, punt, fumble. And Ouch. then, I mean, it's insane. And then they went and uh, I don't know in that situation. Now, 
you're the defensive guy. You're 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 the defensive guru on this here podcast. How is Cooper Cup in that situation? Like, I I know McVeigh's really good at dialing up schemes, you know, offensively to get Cooper Cup one on ones. But it seems like in that situation in the game for the Bucks, you should make anyone other than that guy beat you. Anyone? Yeah. Well, I I don't know how he ended up on the safety. Uh, and, and I understand he was what was he on the inside slot in trips and he drew the safety or was he was it two by two anyways he got the safety and I, he should have had the nickel or a corner and I don't know I don't know how they ended up in that rotation but they must have known it and, and had it up their sleeve the whole game and, and finally unveiled it I, but I, I don't know if that was just a bust by Tampa Bay or what, but he just got flat run by, you know, it's in, there's not a lot you can do after, after it's all said and done, you know, whenever, you know, you've got him Stafford knows they've got it protected. He's just going to let it rip. And that's, that's one that you're always going to win right there. Uh, I will say Tom Brady, that po- that pocket was collapsing all damn game. And he, when when they absolutely had to have it, he did what he's done for years and years. Man, that, that fourth quarter, it was like it was impossible to look away from the TV. It I was, know. I mean, it was intoxicating watching the Brady onslaught, like the avalanche of that comeback. It was, it was so good. Got Gronk a couple of plays, uh, touchdown to Mike Evans, and it's like. That's what I'm saying. Like, give the credit to the Rams for being able to come out of that thing because it looked like a total death spiral, you know, and that's, you know, on the road in the playoffs, that's why you want to be at home. But the only playoff team to hold serve at home was the Chiefs. <laughs> they barely got out of there. It was wild. Oh, what a oh. weekend, man. All right. I, I got a feeling where this is going, but who do you have as your loser of the weekend? The Bills defense is my loser or the Bills, however you want to. Like, we can get as detailed as you want. The backer that should have been playing the backside hook and cover three late in the game whenever they had five under three deep should not be able to complete a pass against that coverage. And the backside backers all the way to the front side, and you got Travis Kelsey just wide open. Unbelievable. I, I don't. This is why I would be a terrible coach or GM because I wouldn't let the guy get on the bus the way home. It's terrible. The, that was a epic collapse defensively down the stretch from the number one defense in the NFL. And I'm going to have to hear all this crap about how great Patrick Mahomes was whenever in reality it was just horrible defense. Well, not only are you going to hear that in Patrick Mahomes, he <laughs> He was amazing in that game. I and mean, that was a hell of a throw to Kelsey on the game winner in overtime. But you're you're gonna hear all the love for Mahomes, which I think he deserves. I thought he was awesome in that game, especially with how much he was using his legs. That early run he had, I guess he almost hit like 19 miles an hour. Run it. The dude was scooting. But you're gonna hear that, and you're also gonna hear people bitch about the overtime rules. And it is I, pretty bad. I am, I'm kind of on team, like, stop them, guys. Like, get a stop. Yeah, the, there's no better way to do it other than a coin flip. Like, I'm sorry. Like, get a stop. Yeah. 
hold him to yeah. a field goal and you get the ball. Like, get a stop. That's there's you there's can't just play all day. Truth. No, that's there's definitely truth to that. Um, and frankly, with as horrible as their defense was down the stretch, they didn't deserve to get another shot at it. But the way that game was going down, it does leave you feeling a little unsatisfied at the end. It feels like it. this shouldn't be over right now, but those, them's the rules. Can, can I say something and hopefully not receive too much judgment for it? I can't guarantee that. The Bills, remember, there's 13 seconds left when they kick the ball off. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have squib kicked it. I did too. I was shocked that they they did what they did, kicked it deep. I'm so glad you didn't get mad at me because there's going to be some OU fans that hear that. Like you hear squib kick now, squib. still, still no, no, never squib. Yeah, as but, long as you don't squib it directly into the guy in the front line, you're okay. Correct. I was but, I was shocked at that. Well, because there was 13 seconds. Like this is this is the reality of the situation is. That Bills defense, like, by the way, Gabriel Davis, that is the most unexpected, great performance I can remember on a football field, at like any level. How about that, that play call, too? You got Diggs on the backside of three by one, and he's the inside guy, and they run probably, I think it was like a dig, inside release dig with Diggs, and then just that skinny post buying the safety on the backside with Diggs. And throwing it away from leverage, that was a that was a really cool play. Dude. An absolute cannon from Allen. It never got over like head high. Uh, well, not only that, the route, Gabriel Davis made that dude. No, I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the one before the game that yeah. we all thought was the game winner. He yeah. made that corner fall. The first of three game winners? Yeah. <laughs> did you did you see the stats about the last two minutes of the game? Uh-uh. Three lead changes, one tie, 25 points scored in the last two minutes of regulation. Allen and Mahomes in the last two minutes combined for three passing touchdowns and 221 passing yards. That's crazy. That's what I'm saying. That's my only thing with the overtime rules is like it didn't feel like it should have been over at that point, but oh, well. I will say. Let's go. The. An all-time performance by Josh Allen. I thought he was, man, I thought he was awesome. <laughs> Let him in rushing. To, yeah. like, well, if if they could play the backside hook, we wouldn't have to see a, another TikTok dance from Patrick Mahomes' brother in celebration. But How can you anyways. leave Travis Kelsey that open in that situation? And this, you, can, you can whine about the overtime rules. You, you can whine about whatever you want, but the reality of it is that the Buffalo Bills were 13 seconds away from going to the AFC championship game, and they let, they let Patrick Mahomes go, what, 55, 56 yards in nine seconds? Yeah. And that's what happened. You, if you, if you want to go win a Super Bowl, you want to go to the AFC championship game and go to the Super Bowl, don't do that. Don't let that happen. Pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. All right. If you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, speaking of pretty good, 
Stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balconies products. You got to grab you sipping on some Balconies over the weekend. Huh? It is good, man. I, I, I am. I'm in a I'm in a big I got a, I got a big whiskey like slash bourbon kick going. It's nice. I've got my seltzer Saturdays and then you know, Saturday night. It's just I'm starting to dabble a bit. I'm I'm, I'm a father now, Ted. I'm a little yeah. mature. The palate, the palate like is it. is maturing. Sure. Not really. It's just, I, it's good. You got to grab some of Balcony's lineage single malt whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcony's baby blue corn whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's pot still bourbon, which was, which is what I was drinking on saturday it's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round in 2012 balcony single malt won the best in glass competition beating brands like johnny walker and mccallan became the first american distillery to win the competition this stuff is the real deal people if you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price then balcony's products are the only way to go the whiskey may be made in texas but the owners are from oklahoma to find a liquor store that has it visit balcony's distilling Com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at Hyperice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Okay, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Hawaii football. Hired Timmy Chang. Let's go. How about that? I think Timmy Chang, I think he was in Detroit for a, uh, for a cup of coffee whenever I was there. Nice. Well, did you see all this stuff with June Jones? He was like, uh, no coach would ever take this job they just offered me. And I don't know what they offered Timmy Chang, but he was like, ah, I got it. I'll do it. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, for this, this is going to hurt. I'm warning you. This is going to hurt your soul. Okay. My winner of the weekend, NFL kickers. NFL kickers. Your favorite humans. Let's start. Let's start in in Cincinnati. 
Let's start with Evan McPherson from the Bengals. Rookie buries a 52-yarder as time expires on the road. In to the beat cold. The, in the cold to beat the Titans and send the Bengals. Yes, the Bengals to the AFC Championship game. And the best part about it, I guess he went up to the backup quarterback. They were standing by the heater before he went out there to kick it. And he goes, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> which is an incredible story that Joe Burrow relayed to everyone on the podium after the game. But I, that's awesome. It's awesome. But that's a rough loss for Tennessee, Ted. Man, that was so many mistakes. So many mistakes. Now, they sacked Joe Burrow nine times and lost. Crazy. Sacked, sacked him nine times and lost. And credit to Burrow for just taking that beating and still making some big-time throws in that game. Uh, Joe Mixon with a big touchdown run. That was really nice. And ultimately, this game will be remembered as a microcosm of Ryan Tannehill's career, basically. I mean, yeah. uh, it, was, it was the most Tannehill game of all time. Like, he just has an incredible throw in the clutch to A.J. Brown for the touchdown. You're just like, oh, my gosh, that couldn't be better. But then three interceptions. I mean, three picks, and they all came at just horrible times in the football game. Had one on the first play of the game. Then what? They were inside the 10-yard line. Now, that was a hell of a play by Hilton jumping up and batting him to himself. But then it looks like the Titans are going to try to kick a game-winning field goal, and it's laid out of his hand. I don't even know how good of a decision it was. but it gets intercepted and they end up losing the game because of it. I mean, just an absolutely brutal performance for Ryan Tannehill. Brutal. Brutal. I, you know, I, I don't know how much, like, I, I think Tennessee, just their style, how they play, that it wasn't a good thing for them to have a buy. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, just, that's kind of why I picked Cincinnati, just because they were kind of the hot team. But all that being said, Tennessee had plenty of opportunities to just take a stranglehold on that football game, and they wouldn't do it. Uh, too many mistakes out there, too many turnovers. Credit Cincinnati, man. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch a young team that hasn't been there go out there and have that type of success. It It makes it look like, these guys are actually enjoying themselves out there and it translates so good for the sport. Yeah. I, I will say I, I know there's a lot of discussion about Brable going for two so early in the game. You got Derrick Henry and you got to get, you know, six inches. Yep. You like your odds, mm -hmm. right? And the same thing happened when he went forward on fourth down, it's fourth and one. Now maybe you should have handed it to Deontay Foreman. My goodness. That dude just yeah. runs like he is mad at the world. But, yeah, they got stuffed in a couple of short yardage situations with Derrick Henry, and Tannehill was kind of a disaster. That's how, that's how you lose a game you should have won. That's how you lose a game when you sack the opposing quarterback nine times and Jeffrey Simmons completely dominates the game like I predicted he would. It's ridiculous. We can't add anything to that. Okay. Tannehill picks turnovers, it, man. It just a reminder 
the reason I'm so worked up, number one, the Tennessee Titans employed me at one point and Cincinnati Bengals did not. And not, not only did they not employ me, I worked out for them. They told me I had the best workout by far, and then they didn't sign me. So I hate the Bengals. Like, I literally told a guy to F himself and walked out. Like, it was, it was not fun. But <laughs> that's a story for a different time. I ended up getting claimed or getting signed by the Saints uh, when I was flying from Cincinnati to Chicago. I had a layover in Chicago to get home. And when I landed, I had a bunch of text messages like, do not get on the plane. You're going to New Orleans. I was like, wait, what? That's, that's awesome. I was, I was down in the dumps. Didn't even spring for the Wi-Fi, Ted. That's when you know it's bad. That's yeah, good. well, thank God you didn't get signed by uh, Cincy, right? Yeah, yeah. I got to get my heart broken by Stephon Diggs on the Minneapolis <laughs> Miracle play. That was fun. That was Woo. a great memory. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Last, last game, last, last football game. That game. Really? Yeah, retired after. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we're off course. Wow. We're off course. Back. To, okay. We got to get back on track. The the loser of the weekend. The lose. Oh wait, we didn't even talk about Robbie Gold, did we? No, we could skip that if you'd like. Nah, let's not because <laughs> I, I got to keep showing some love to kickers. Let's let's keep this train rolling. Another winner of the weekend, Robbie Gold, forty-five yarder. A guy kicked in snow, uh, in the cold. All those years in Chicago. The San Francisco 49ers go to Lambeau and beat the Green Bay Packers. And this game sucked. I don't, I don't want to hear it like, yes, it came down to a field goal at the end, but this game sucked. And I, I did think both defenses played well. Thought both offenses were underwhelming, to say the least. Well, but, yeah. The 49ers put up a whopping six points offensively and won a playoff game on the road in Green Bay in zero-degree weather. That is unreal against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But the difference in the game, special teams. Yep. And, and the Packers came into the game with the worst special teams units in the NFL, right? If you're into the DVOA stuff, they were 32nd in special teams DVOA. Worst in the league by a lot, too. Like, worst by a wide margin. And, well, special teams lost them this game. Had a field goal blocked. Had a punt blocked for a touchdown. And, and maybe the worst of all, and maybe the biggest indictment, Game is on the line. Robbie Gold is on the field, kicking the game-winning field goal. It is after a timeout, and the Packers' field goal block team only had 10 guys on the field. Did it really? I didn't see that. Yeah. Isn't that brutal? Wow. Well, there's going to be a, a, vac a job vacancy there for special teams, Coach, so if anyone wants it, uh, put your hat or your name in the hat because uh, they're going to be getting one. I can't believe I couldn't believe got the pump blocked for a touchdown. That is just absolutely brutal. That brutal. deep snapper got taken straight backwards into the punt. But the personal protector, you got to be able to see that. If you yeah. see one of your guys getting killed, getting put right in your lap, you don't just sidestep it and go downfield and cover. Just give a little forearm. That's all you got to do. Something. Oh, 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 you're getting pushed into me. Let me move real quick. I was like, what are you doing? But yeah, and I'll say this about Aaron Rodgers wasn't exactly an MVP performance from no. 12. Uh, we talk about how great he is, and I there's no doubt in my mind he's one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen. But 
He's also now five and four at home in the playoffs. Mm. Five and four. That crazy. That's not great. Crazy. Yeah, that was uh that was a wild game, man. I I watched it almost every single snap and never felt like the Packers were gonna lose it until the ball went through the uprights. That that's the only time I felt like they were gonna lose. Uh, it's just it was a shocker. Yeah, and the 49ers are definitely banged up heading into the NFC championship game, right? Our our boy Trent Williams was hobbled out there and oh the play where they put him in motion where he reported eligible (laughs) wow and they tried it again actually and it it didn't uh wasn't successful the second time but the first time they did it that was my jaw dropped i was like oh my god that's unfair yeah, but he was banged up debo samuel remember he ended up hopping off the field like on one leg like a little pogo stick uh, George Kittle was hurting. I mean, it's not like Jimmy G was lights out and it, that hand must still be bothering, but it also felt like Jimmy G should have had like four interceptions in that game with some of the yes. late throws to the sideline. But they got it done. But, man, they they are the walking wounded heading into that game against the Rams. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. They're catching a Rams team that they are playing some really good football and they got their choke out of the way right their their near miss is is done on the road against uh, uh the bucks i you know i i don't know san francisco I, they're talented enough that they're going to make a good game of it but right now you got to be leaning rams yeah all right for my loser of the weekend ou hoops ou hoops women's and men's there's there's not much to say about what happened to Jenny Bronchek's squad other than Ayoka Lee gave them all of the work. Crazy. That's, 61. That's wild, man. That's wild. She had 61 points on OU women's basketball team. That's brutal. Now, she is 6'6". Like, she's she's got a presence to her. but. 61. That's nuts. It's an NCAA record. That's nuts. I don't I don't think we have to talk about anything other than that. No. I hey, what are you gonna do? Other than something illegal. That's tough. <laughs> when someone's having a game like that, you just wild. High, high lower. Like <laughs> like you do a you want to win or not? Like, like a defensive lineman, you can't block and pass rush to say, hey man. We're gonna we're about to run boot. Right. You go high, I go low. You. <laughs> that would never happen. Football players would never do that. But as far as the OU men, Porter and Bozer boys, they've they've hit a rough patch. They've hit a rough patch. Fourth loss in a row after the loss to Baylor on Saturday. They are just I really enjoy watching them play. I want to make that clear. But they are just not talented enough to turn the ball over the way that they do. They cannot be as careless and credit to Baylor's defense, right? We all know Baylor's really, really solid defensively, but you can't turn the ball 20, turn the ball over 25 times and be not even a good team, especially not a really good team like Baylor, but man, you're not going to beat many teams in college basketball when you play that way, especially, no way. or at least at the power five, but they, and, and it also, it doesn't help when you don't score for the first five minutes of the game. Or when you don't score for, I don't know how many of the first minutes in the second half, like 
They got to get started better as well. But in that first half, they actually shot it pretty decently. They just didn't get many shots up because they kept turning the ball over. It's when, when you are, when your roster is the way Oklahoma's is, they've got some things that they do well. They're, they're good defensively. Um, they could be streaky behind the three point line at times, but they don't have just anyone on the team that is a go-to offensive threat to just kick them the ball and let them go to work. And when you can't score like that, you absolutely cannot turn the basketball over. That is, you can't have that combination. If you're a team that scores like crazy, okay, some turnovers are factored in, right? We're going to be a high turnover team, but we score like crazy. It's, it's not perfect, but that's how we're going to be. If you can't score like crazy and you turn it over 20 plus times, you're not going to win. Just, you're not going to. Yeah. It doesn't matter really if you're playing Baylor or anyone else, you're not going to win very many basketball games like that. Yeah. Even with the bad start to the first half, all the turnovers and the bad start to the second half somehow. And maybe, maybe that crowd, the energy in the building had a lot to do with it. I, I don't know, but somehow they still had a chance in the last like six or seven minutes, but just, they just couldn't close that final gap with Baylor. And uh, I guess the few plays that stand out in this game, Tanner Groves, strong jaw, flying knee to the head for Matthew Meyer. Uh, no, no call somehow a no call. It gets teed up after it. Like, yeah, he should be pissed. And that was actually a big swing, like a momentum swing in that game. Cause remember four point possession for Baylor. And what we had just cut it to either three or five, right? It was, you had just cut it to five, five flying knee to the head. Which should have been a penalty or absolutely penalty. four, four free throws for Baylor and extended the lead to nine. And that, that whole sequence was, it was something I'll say this. I, I was screaming at my television. I don't do that often. I was not happy. Yeah, I was, I happened to be listening to T row on the broadcast and they seemed pretty confused as to how it wasn't even when they reviewed it, right. They went back and reviewed it and, and didn't call it. So that was strange. It's a couple of games. You had that strange call against Kansas. Um, that was a, you know, we should have had possession. And then this, this play here, which happened at a critical moment in the game, they've been a little bit unlucky, but you know, forget the luck, just stop turning the ball over so much. Right. Yeah. And it it would certainly help if they shot three a little better, right. Another, another subpar performance from the three point line, five of 18, from three uh, for the Sooners against Baylor. And Baylor's defense is really good. They're a really talented team. They're a top five team in the country. I think they're one of the seven or eight teams in the country that can legitimately win the national championship. But they had 35 points off OU turnovers. And they were really balanced offensively. Had four guys in double figures. They're, They're just a better basketball team than Oklahoma, especially when Oklahoma does not cherish the ball. The the problem right now is that this conference, you're not going to play Baylor every week or every game, but it's never going to be easy. There's, there's not any real games that you just look at and say, we can cruise to a win in this one. 
every game is going to be difficult. You got to bring your A game week in, week out. No doubt. And on that note, episode 183 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more